Hello and welcome to this week of the weekly Bible wrap-up. I apologize for this being a little bit late. I'm actually recording this on Monday. Had a little bit of a very busy week last week. Got a little bit behind in my readings. And I know that that happens to all of us. And I, I always say that when that happens... Give ourselves a little bit of grace. Catch up if you can. If you can't, then just continue reading from where you're at. Don't try to jump back in and make up a lot of time. But I did. I made up several days, and now it's time to go through them. So starting from the readings on the 11th of February, Psalm 20, In the times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. That's what I got from that, as well as, May the Lord answer all your prayers. Now we go back to Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Now, Peter is accused of being with Jesus. He denies this three times, and then a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered Jesus' words, and that caused Peter to weep bitterly. It's a pretty famous story. A lot of what we talk about in the Gospels, a lot of, a lot of people are well aware with, and a lot of people aren't. And I think, though, that the more that you become aware with it, the more you learn more about it. Jesus' words made him weep bitterly. I just said that. Matthew 27, 1 through 10. The next morning, the priests and the religious leaders took Jesus to Pilate. They definitely want Jesus out of the picture. Judas, upon hearing that Jesus would be put to death, returned the 30 pieces of silver to the priests and elders, confessing his sin of betraying an innocent man. I mean, seriously, what did Judas think was going to happen Judas uh, let his greed get to him and blinded him to the reality of what was going on. But now he saw it, and out of guilt and bitterness, apparently, he killed himself. The priest said it wouldn't be right to put up the silver in the temple treasury because it was payment for murder. So, I mean, the priests knew exactly what they were doing. Hypocrisy? Evil? They used the silver to buy a cemetery for foreigners, the unclean, I'm assuming, so they essentially used the same dirty money to solve another problem of theirs. Yeah, I don't know if how well I would have been able to talk with those folks back then. Exodus, we return to that. Exodus 9, we got more plagues going on. Continuing the list, the livestock, because remember with the plagues, uh, there's this constant um, God sends plagues. Moses clears the plagues to show that he is um, one of God's chosen, I guess, or that to, to convince Pharaoh to soften his heart, but Pharaoh's heart becomes hardened after a while, and then another plague comes, and then this repeats until eventually Pharaoh, of course, lets them go. Let my people go. Uh, livestock, plague of Festering boils, plague of hail, plague of locusts. By this time, the plagues have left Egypt in ruins. Pharaoh only would allow the men to go at this time, but Moses said, no, 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 no. Everybody want, needed to go. Um, so Pharaoh said, no, the locusts devastated what the hail and the other plagues had not taken. But even that didn't soften Pharaoh's heart. And next was a plague of darkness that covered Egypt for three days. Yet Pharaoh would not let Moses go after Moses said all flocks must accompany the people now. So Pharaoh had relented a bit. It's like, okay, the women and children can go. And Pharaoh's like, no, 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 no. We need all the animals too because we can't choose what we're going to 
pick from the sacrifice until we're actually out there and the Lord says, this is what you have to do. It's an exercise in obedience. Psalm 21, 1 through 7, quote, for the king trusts in the Lord. And I got from this that leadership must trust in the Lord. Returning back to Matthew for this day, Matthew 27, Jesus is questioned by Pilate, says he is the king of the Jews. Or I think the exact response is, if you say so, or so you say, something like that. It's basically saying, yes, I am responding to the question, as I understand it. Maybe I'm not 100% correct, but I think that that's the whole point. Now, the priest charges, though, he doesn't respond to. And I'm, I almost get the impression that Jesus is just not going to respect them. He'll respect the law on earth, which is what Pilate is, but he doesn't see the priests as being the law of faith. And so there's no respect there. It's a, maybe not the right interpretation, but it does lead to other thoughts. So back then, they had a tradition that, okay, you got a couple of people during this time of, of festivities, because this was the Passover season, that uh, Pilate would release uh, one criminal. They would let the, he would let the people choose, and so he said, okay, well, maybe I can use this to get this whole Jesus thing off my hands, because he didn't want to have any part of it, is the impression I get. And so Pilate says, okay, well, here's, here's Jesus that... Um, really hasn't done anything to hurt people or anything. And then here's Barnabas, who's a scoundrel, horrible person. And I think Pilate's thought was like that they're definitely going to say, release Jesus. All he's doing is healing people and preaching about peace and the kingdom of God. And Barnabas was a scoundrel. I don't remember exactly what Barnabas did, but I think that this was the point. Um, and was <laughs> Pilate was probably very surprised when the people said, well, no, we want you to release Barnabas. And then <laughs> Pilate's like, well, what am I supposed to do with Jesus? And the people are screaming, like, crucify him. At that point in time, Pilate says, look, I, I wash, literally, he says, I wash my hands of you. I, I, this, is not, this is not my responsibility anymore. Maybe at that point in time, Pilate really understood who Jesus was. Now, uh, Jesus is flogged with lead-tipped whips. They stripped him, placed him placed a crown of thorns on his head and mocked him. They arrived at Golgotha, the place of the skull. Jesus is nailed to the cross and the guards gambled for Jesus' clothes. Now just remember some of this, particularly him being nailed to the cross with hands and feet, and then the, the clothes being distributed, being wagered for, and then what Jesus says, his last words on the cross, according to Matthew, and then the tie-in with the Old Testament. Um, two revolutionaries were crucified with him on either side of him. The people mocked Jesus, as did the priests and the elders, and even the folks on the other side mocked him, apparently. He, the, the elders are saying, well, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Remember that, too, when we talk about the tie to the Old Testament. And now with the readings, we flip to Exodus 11. God strikes Egypt with one last blow. Moses tells the people the Lord will pass through Egypt. At all firstborn, Egyptian sons will die. This will show the Lord's distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. 
The Lord instructs Moses, this month will be the first month of the year. On the 10th day of this month, each family must provide a suitable sacrifice. This is the first Mosaic law, I think. On the 14th day, the evening, the sacrifice will happen at twilight. The blood will be placed on the door frame and the sacrifice is eaten. The Lord will pass over, hence the origin of the name, the houses with blood on the door. This is an act of obedience by the people. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt, God says. There are more detailed instructions given. The festival of unleavened bread, a permanent law, reminds of how the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt. We'll touch on that again in a, just a little bit. The law will continue after getting to the promised land. The next morning, Pharaoh sent for Moses and told him to get out. After all that had happened, the people had died, and he's like, I'm done with this. Get out. Go, 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 go. Just leave. All your people, women, children, herds, flocks, bee collections, whatever you have, just leave. I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Now, apparently the Egyptians didn't either, because I don't think that the Egyptians did this out of the out of the goodness of the heart so much, at least this is my impression, as more they just wanted the Israelites to leave after all of the plagues and everything that had decimated Egypt. So the Egyptians are giving the Israelites clothes and silver and gold. They feared death. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt now 430 years. The Lord gave Moses and Aaron detailed instructions for the Passover meal. The Lord brought the people out of Israel, out of the land of Egypt, like an army. I think that's an interesting choice of words, like an army. And then from the readings from the 13th of February, starts with Proverbs 4. Guard your heart above else. Guarding your heart is very, very important and very central biblical reference. It, 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 it's the beginning of everything that we can do to show our living the faith. It starts with guarding our heart, because eventually what's in your heart will come out your mouth, will come out your actions. But if you guard your heart, you will guard your language, you will guard your actions. It's tough, I know. I mean, I struggle with that every day, I'm sure. I have I have sinful thoughts and desires and and that's because we're all human <laughs> there was only one perfect man now here's the kicker okay so we go to matthew 27 45 through 66 so jesus cried out my god my god why have you abandoned me and for the longest time i didn't really understand what was going on here and as i continued my biblical reading, I, I understood a connection, which I'll get to shortly. But it's not Jesus losing faith in everything. It's actually the the opposite. It's it 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 is a fulfillment. Now, before he shouted that out for three hours starting at noon, there was darkness over the land. Now, at three o'clock, Jesus died. The curtain in the sanctuary of the temple split in two. I think this was an actual tearing. And remember, the significance here is that only the chosen, the priests, could go and talk to God directly. But when Jesus died, that requirement was destroyed. That was the temple coming down. Now we have Jesus that provides us that connection with God. 
The ground shook, tombs opened, and many of the godly who had died were raised out of the tomb. And here's the scientific one in me. It's like, I wonder, I wonder how large an area the effect was, or was it everybody who had been godly, even if you happened to be buried hundreds of miles away, did you just suddenly come out of the tomb? And what is the definition of godly at this point? These are things that we're not told of, as far as I know, in the Bible. Um, yeah, and, and it's probably an exercise in futility. It, it, it's, I think that this is just here to emphasize that at that moment, Jesus conquered death. And for the godly, that is all of our destinations. Um, so Joseph of Arimathea, who I think had become a disciple of Christ at this point in time, didn't want to have the body hanging on the cross. So took the body off the cross, placed it in his own new tomb and rolled a great stone out in front. The next day, the Romans sealed the tomb to prevent the disciples from stealing the body to fake a resurrection. Exodus 13, the Lord instructed Moses to dedicate all firstborn humans and animals to God. This is a little bit different uh, uh, juxtaposed from what happened to the Egyptian firstborn children, ma male children. This is a day to remember forever, Moses said. They were delivered out of Egypt and should be celebrated each year. We, they said that before, and they'll say it again. Moses provides instructions for the celebration, dovetailing two instances of deliverance here. So we're talking about Exodus, and we just talked about the resurrection, or we're about, we're about to talk about the resurrection. God did not lead the people out in a straight line, a main road through Philistine territory. God led them in a road that went a roundabout way as a test to see if the difficulty might lead them to go back to Egypt. They took Joseph's bones. I mentioned that before. The Lord guided them as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, cloud during the day, fire at night. Exodus 14, the Lord orders the Israelites to turn around to camp and that this is to show the Egyptians who it's implied are watching them. Um, and cause Pharaoh to harden his heart and want to bring the Israelites back to slavery. After all, I mean, they just lost a significant economic engine for their economy. It's redundantly repetitive. The Egyptian army went after the people of Israel. The Israelites panicked when they saw the Egyptians coming and cried out to Moses saying, why did you make us leave? They wanted to go back. It would have been better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness, they said. But Moses stood firm and said, no, don't be afraid. The Lord will fight for his people. Remember this, do not be afraid. That comes up a lot in both the Old and the New Testament. The Lord directed Moses to raise his staff to part the Red Sea to provide an escape for the trapped Israelites. We know this through Charlton Heston as well. The ground was dry, dry when the people crossed. The pillar of cloud settled between the Israelites and the Egyptians. I see this as a protective mood. The pillar turned to fire at night. Now, um, actually, now is is when Roses did as the Lord commanded. So now he raised his staff, and now the sea parted from a strong wind that blew all night. The Egyptians chased them, but the Lord twisted their chariot wheels. The Egyptians saw that the Lord was fighting for the Israelites and wanted to escape, but it was too late. After all the Israelites had crossed, the Lord commanded Moses to raise his staff again. The waters rushed back and drowned all of the Egyptians that had chased the Israelites into the sea. And I think that there have been some some studies or some archaeological missions that have found chariots 
um, or remnants of chariots in the Red Sea? I need to check that, though, because I, I don't know if that was a supposition or if it actually happened. Psalm 21, 8 through 13, all of your enemies will be defeated if you trust in the Lord. That's what I got from that. Matthew 28, on third day Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. An angel of the Lord appeared and rolled the stone away, breaking the Roman seal. Presumably, this caused the Roman guards to faint. The angel said, don't be afraid. There we go again. Don't be afraid. Jesus is not here. He is risen. It is the resurrection. The, the woman rushed to tell the disciples. On the way, they saw the risen Jesus, who also said not to be afraid. There we go again. And to tell or remind the disciples that he will meet up with them at Galilee. This all always reminds me of singing with Charlie Daniels, the song He's Alive in a choir many, many years ago. Rest in peace, Charlie. You were, you, you were a man of God. The guards apparently recovered, told the leading priests what had happened. The, leader, the leaders instructed them to falsely claim or bribe them, actually, that the disciples had stolen the body. I guess that they were bribed. And so they told that story and over and over and over. The 11 disciples met up with the resurrected Jesus at Galilee, which was planned, where he gave them the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. We are still part of that Great Commission. If you are a Christ follower, that's what we have commanded to do. Flipping back to Exodus 15, Moses and the people sung a song of deliverance, praising the Lord's triumph over the Egyptians. Others, those who live in Canaan, tremble. Because of this, this has given the people hope that the land will, or rather the Lord, will always fight for them. Moses led the people through the desert for three days without water. When they finally found water, it was bitter. And of course, the people are grumbling. But the Lord showed Moses a piece of wood. Moses tossed it into the water or threw it or speared it or did something. And the water was purified. The lesson here, the Lord will provide. This is a lesson repeatedly given to the wandering Israelites who are really not lost, they're being led. They left and ended up camping uh, at the oasis of Elim, or Elim, which had 12 springs and 70 palm trees. It must have been a nice sight, but good little stop for a while. Next, they left and arrived at Sin. I don't know if that's the actual way to pronounce it. It is S-I-N. One month after leaving Egypt now, and the people again complained to Moses about the conditions. The Lord told Moses he will rain down food from heaven each morning the people later called manna, and gave specific instructions not to collect beyond what was needed for the day. And those who disobeyed saw the manna consumed by maggots. This was to teach the people to trust the Lord to provide for them on a constant basis. The Lord also pledged to give meat in the evening. The people are complaining against the Lord, not Moses or Aaron. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. Now, um, there is some correlation to the quail migratory routes and um, this time of the year. So that's supported there. Quote, each family had just what they needed, end quote. The sixth day, they, on instruction, picked up twice the amount of manna, and it didn't get consumed by maggots because, again, they were being obedient. This allowed for a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord, a day of rest. The Sabbath is the Lord's gift to us We have to rest. It's important for our health, spiritual, physical, and mental. On command, Aaron filled a container with manna to show descendants all future generations. It was eventually placed and lost with the Ark of the Covenant, although if you follow Indiana Jones, it's in a warehouse somewhere controlled by the United States government. The people ate manna for 40 years. 
Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus quoted this on the cross, remember? Told you we we're going to get back to that. Quote, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. Remember, that's what the leaders were saying. Why can't he save himself if he's the Lord? Do not stay so far from me, the psalm continues. And we'll get back to Psalm 22 in the next day's reading. Mark 1, we, New Gospel, begins by quoting Isaiah that a messenger will come to make the way. John the Baptist priest, repentance. John ate locusts and honey. He was a very simple man. John announced another was coming greater than he who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus appears for the first time in the Gospel of Mark. And he's there to be baptized, and when he is, the heavens split apart, and a voice above said, quote, You are my dearly loved son, and you will bring me great joy. That's a will bring me great joy because of what Jesus is going to do for God's people. Jesus then spent 40 days in the desert being tempted, but Mark doesn't talk about the details here, just like he didn't touch on the birth at all. Um, now. The story picks up with Jesus in Galilee preaching repentance because the kingdom of God is near. He then recounts, or rather recruits, Simon and Andrew, fishermen, quote, I will show you how to fish for people, and then recruits James and John, also fishermen. They then went to Capernaum. Jesus taught in the synagogue there with authority. Now, this word authority has meaning as authority meant trained or ordained. But Jesus wasn't ordained by the religious leaders. So where did he get this authority? Who told him he could do this? We know the answer. He cast out a demon from one possessed. A takeaway here is that the demon recognized him as the son of God. The demon says this. So even Satan believes in Jesus as the son of God. I think that that's sometimes lost on a lot of people, including some Christians. Now, in Exodus 17, here we have the people are moving from place to place. Again, a water supply issue comes up, causes grumbling. Moses, on command from the Lord, struck a rock and water flowed out, struck it with the same staff that he split the Red Sea with. While still at this place, Amalekites attacked and Israel was victorious in its first military victory repetitive. This, I believe, is where we meet Joshua, who led the campaign. Now, Joshua and the Israelites were successful only when Moses held up a staff from a nearby high place. I think to emphasize continuous reliance and faith in the Lord. But Aaron and her had to help Moses keep the staff held up, because Moses is getting tired. I mean, dude's 80 years old. Come on. He's doing a lot at 80. Hope I could do all that at 80. Um, Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law went to go visit Moses. We know this is Jethro, so the Israelites must not have gone too far if Jethro was still floating around, kind of locally. Note, we are also told of here of what happened to Moses' wife, unless it was said before and I missed it. Moses sent his wife and two sons back to live with Jethro, presumably before the Exodus began. Jethro brought Moses' wife and two sons there. Jethro was pleased to hear about the Lord that had rescued Israel from the Egyptians, and then Jethro brought a sacrifice. The next day, Jethro advised Moses, hey, you got to delegate some of this stuff. You're taking on way too much stuff here, which is very good leadership advice. 
Moses listened to Jeth and implemented Jethro's advice, and Jethro left. I don't know what happened to Moses' wife and two sons, whether they stayed or not, or whether I missed that. Sometimes you miss things. It happens. Psalm 22, returning back to that, remember this is very important, picking up from yesterday, the psalm Jesus quoted at the beginning on the cross. They have pierced my hands and feet. That's from Psalm 22. That's what happened to Jesus. They divided my garments amongst themselves and throw dice for my clothing. That's exactly what happened as well, too. So here, Jesus quoting from the beginning of Psalm 22, to me, seems to say, no, not that he's like pleading out to God. What, what, where have you gone? He's just saying that he is fulfilling this within Psalm 22. Now, going back to Mark, Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law. Many sick men were brought to Jesus because he's getting a reputation after sunset. And Jesus healed many and cast out many demons because the demons know who Jesus was. See yesterday's quote reading. He did not let him speak. The conclusion is that Jesus did not want his identity as the Son of God revealed yet. The next day after praying, Jesus said they must move on to another town to preach. That is why I came. He came for all. Jesus healed one with leprosy and said to keep it silent, but to see a priest that, according to Mosaic law, can verify that the leprosy was healed and therefore presumably demonstrating Jesus' authority. But the man told what Jesus did, prompting large crowds. Then on to Mark 2, Jesus returned to Capernaum and crowds came to him. Four men brought a paralyzed man to Jesus, dropped him down through the house roof. This demonstration of faith caused Jesus to forgive the man's sins. The religious leaders who were there probably just checking out who what this Jesus was all about said, hey, you can't do that. That's blasphemous. And Jesus said, look, what's harder or what's easier? I can either forgive this person's sins or I can cure him. But I'll tell you what, I'll cure him and that'll prove my authority, which is, of course, what Jesus did. And this, of course, also resulted in other folks built on his reputation as a healer. This is also when Jesus recruited Levi. Levi is Matthew. And in the tax collector's booth, there is also the story here about eating dinner at Levi Matthew's house with other tax collectors. And this angered the teachers, saying, why does he eat with such scum? And Jesus had a brilliant answer. Why is that no surprise? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Mic drop. Exodus 19, two months after leaving Egypt, Israelites arrived at Sinai. Moses climbed the mountain and encountered God. God said, if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my people. Upon telling the people, the people said, yeah, they'll comply. Moses reported this back to God. God said, hey, he'll come down as a cloud to speak to the people so that the people will trust Moses. Moses is then instructed to prepare for the Lord's arrival in three days. God gave very specific instructions with specific punishments for noncompliance and then came in a smoke and the sound of a man, ram's horn. Moses climbed the mountain to meet with God and got additional instructions. And then this is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, which I will not read. But the people were afraid. And then Moses said, don't be afraid. There it is again. This is testing and the fear of God will keep you from sinning. The Lord then gives specific instructions to make an altar and give offerings. Now, finally, for the last day, quickly, we move to Proverbs 5. Pay attention to wisdom. And then into Mark 3, 31 through 35, Jesus' family came to see him, but Jesus said, hey, those who do God's will are my brother and sister and mother. That's what's more important. Mark 4, Jesus teaches with a parable of a farmer planting seed. The seed must have good soil to grow and produce. The disciples asked Jesus, 
to explain the parable, but first meet Jesus said, hey, you're permitted to understand the real stuff about the kingdom of, of God, but that he must use parables to outsiders to fulfill the scriptures. Jesus then explained the parable to the disciples. It is a good roadmap, actually, as to how to make our faith fruitful. So I would encourage reading that parable. Quote, everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open. It's important to realize as well. He adds that those who listen to his teaching will be given more understanding, so we gain wisdom by following Jesus. Exodus 23, more rules and laws to keep the society in in functional. In a lawsuit, you must not deny justice to the poor is one. You must not oppress for um, foreigners is another. I suppose a whole year could be spent studying those laws and just scratch the surface. God instructs celebrating three festivals annually. We already talked about the unleavened bread. The second is the festival of harvests or first fruits. The third is the festival of the final harvest. The Lord says he is sending an angel to lead and protect them on their journey. If they obey him, then God will be an enemy to their enemies and will allow for the Israelites to take the lands, but they cannot adopt their evil ways. Doing so will result in blessings. The Lord instructed Moses to meet him on the mountain, along with Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of Israel's leaders. 70 is the same number as Jacob's family who came to Egypt on Joseph's request invitation, but only Moses was allowed to come near the Lord. The people agreed to follow the Lord's covenants. He read the book of the covenant. Presumably, this is part of Exodus that has all the laws in it, including the Ten Commandments. Moses was then called up the mountain through the cloud, and he remained on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, similar to the period of Jesus' temptation and Noah's ta uh, travels. And I barely got in before the 30-minute time limit, so we're at 29.43. I hope you have a blessed week, and we'll talk again next week. Take care. Thank you.